What follows is message number one of five of the Fall 2014 College Conference in Latham Springs, Texas. Conference title is A Vision of Christ in the Church. Message title is The All-Inclusiveness of Christ. Okay, everybody got a book? Have you written your name in your book? Yeah, you should have your name in your book, right? So if you happen to misplace it, you get one book. Treasure this book. Amen. It's not as good as this book. But, 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 but you know what? You treasure it because actually, probably I would estimate 85 to 90% of what's in this book are basically verses from this book. So, so your treasuring of this book is really of the treasuring of the Bible. It's just, you'll see verse after verse, verse after verse, verse after verse, unveiling this rich and wonderful Christ. So please make sure to take care of your book. How about let's read the title all together on the outside. Ready? Go. Vision. Okay, brothers, how about we read it? Ready? Go. Sisters. I hope each one of you gets a vision of Christ and the church. Actually, I'm pretty sure you're going to get some vision. I'm pretty sure. Because we're going to be under the heavenly speaking. Amen. Amen. So how about we just, as we begin, how about you just stand with me in prayer? I'd just like to offer a little prayer for the whole time, particularly for tonight and this whole weekend. And make this prayer your prayer. Okay? By standing with this prayer. Amen. Lord Jesus, I want a vision. I want a fresh vision of Christ. I want an uplifted vision. Oh, may I see You. Unveil Yourself to me. And Lord, I want to see what's on Your heart. I want to see the church. Oh, grant me a vision of Christ and the church. Lord, we pray this for each one in this meeting. We give You this whole weekend. We're here for You, Lord. We want our vision uplifted. We want our vision refreshed. We want to see Christ. Unveil Yourself to us. May we pray this all weekend long. Exercise to open your being to receive the Lord speaking. Okay, we're we're here because probably you've at least at some point, maybe some of you sooner, some of you later, some of you years ago, you've met Christ, right? Have we not met Christ? Amen. We're believers, right? So what we want to do this weekend is have a speaking concerning the matter of who this Christ is and what is on His heart. Amen? Amen. So if you... Uh, I would just say the, the heart of your being is like a whiteboard and I'm going to erase everything out. But I can't take out Christ. Hallelujah. So Christ will stay. But mainly I'm unloading you of all of what you think you already know. We need to have a fresh unloading, right? Anything that we have that's not fresh of Christ will actually cause us to be veiled to seeing more of who Christ is. So, Lord Jesus, unload us. How about we pray that? Ready? Go. Lord Jesus, unload us. Okay, let's look at the table of contents and let's just read through quickly the messages. We're on message one tonight. Table of contents. And let's just read the titles of the messages all together. Ready? Go. 
the all-inclusiveness of Christ, the Word, the precious blood of Christ, the Spirit, the reality of Christ, the church as the body of Christ. Oh, I want it all. Amen. But we start tonight with the all-inclusiveness of Christ. Okay, so let's look at our outline and begin. It is on page 23. No, back up. So 14. So go to page 14. Okay, let's read the title of this particular message. Ready? Go. The all-inclusiveness of Christ. The all-inclusiveness of Christ. Okay. Firstly, you need to realize concerning this wonderful person of Christ that He's mysterious. He's mysterious. But fully unveiled in the Word of God. So we're going to be handling the Bible and handling the Scripture because the Scripture unveils and unlocks the mystery of who this person is. I hope each one of you get a face-to-face with the Lord this weekend and you see the preciousness and the all-inclusiveness of who this Christ is. You will. Amen. Why? Because we're here in the Word. We're looking to the Lord for the Lord's enlightening. And so this matter, firstly, before we get into the message... I'd like to just mention briefly concerning what is a vision? What is a vision? Right? It says a vision of Christ and the church. What constitutes a vision? Uh, In the human realm, there's people that have visions. Some people have visions from very young age. They get infused by their maybe grandparents and parents. Son, you're going to be a doctor. And the kid gets the doctor kid at age three and four, and he starts playing with the stethoscope, and he's putting it on his bear, and, you know, doctor, doctor, doctor. And then he starts going to school. And from a very young age, something gets into his being. His family's for it. His education, everything. He just, you talk to him. You're in high school, you're with him. What are you going to be? I'm going to be a doctor. So you know what? Eventually, that vision in the human realm begins to govern and control everything that person does. They don't, they don't do a lot of the other things that are people doing. They're focused. They're, they're controlled. They're governed. They're directed. Everybody else is doing this or that. Nope, i got to get back to chemistry. I love it. It's awesome. And I'll take much of, as much of it as I can get. I love it. Why? Governed, controlled. Right? This is in the human realm. You know, you talk about athletes from, from ridiculous ages, four and five years old. The parents are pushing these kids. You know, eventually people move all over the country to be with better trainers. Their whole families are disrupted, move from one coast to the other coast. Why? They're governed. What do they want? They want the gold. And so their whole life is governed by this human vision. Okay, so some characteristics of the vision we're talking about. Firstly, you need to realize the vision is spiritual. Amen. So it requires you as man who was created in the image of God with the spirit. You need to use the right organ to have this vision. It's not a human vision. It's a spiritual vision, right? So it's a requirement. You don't want to you want to see a lot. Use the right organ. 
right? What we're talking about is a heavenly vision of Christ and the church. So use the right organ. And this vision is in this realm of uh, spiritually, you need to have an unveiling. You need to be unveiled. Christ is real, but mostly we're veiled from who He is. So this weekend, hopefully veil after veil, veil after veil of who this wonderful Christ is will be lifted and you would see who this wonderful Christ is. So we need a lot of exercise this evening. Oh, be exercised. Desire to see this Christ. Right? By exercising your spirit to participate. Okay, you get a vision. You know what it does? It governs you. It governs you. Okay, you are not too young to get this vision. Amen. You're at the perfect age. Young men, young women, you're ready for the Lord to unveil. Actually, He wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to impart all that He is into you. He wants to cause you to have a heavenly vision. Do you want it? Really? Lord, show me Yourself and cause the revelation of who You are to govern my whole being. Let's just ask, what what vision of Christ do you have? We have some. And it's good that we have some. Why would we be here? Right? We do have some. Thank the Lord we have some vision of Christ. Okay, but we want our vision of Christ to go way up. Maybe we're here. That's good. That's a great start. But it should grow. It should increase. Right? All the time, our vision of Christ should be elevated. Should be increasing. There are so many items of who Christ is. How about in our experience? We want this revelation and this vision of Christ to be brought into our experience so that, listen, we can line up with what God is doing in the Bible and on the earth. As young men and young women, we are men and believers of vision. So you know what? You're like that little kid. Oh, sorry. Don't have time for that. Don't have time for that. I'm governed. I'm controlled. When I go to bed, when I get up in the morning, I'm governed. I'm a man of vision. I'll do this. I don't have time. I got to line myself up with the vision that's unveiled in the Bible concerning Christ and the church. So, Lord Jesus, reveal Yourself to us. Do you want it? Ask for it. Lord, I want my vision of You to go way up. When I leave this weekend, may my appreciation of You and my experience of You go way up. He's all-inclusive. How about in our experience? How about in our seeing? We want more of this Christ. Well, hopefully by our speaking and by all our participating in the Word, this Christ will be unveiled further to us and we will appreciate Him more, listen, so that we can experience Him more. It's not about adding knowledge to your minds. We're not talking about giving you some items of what Christ is and go, oh, item this, item that. No, it's related to your spiritual experience. Listen, for your growth as believers in Christ. Do you want to grow? Ask for it. Lord, I want to grow. How do you grow? you got to get the proper nutrients. The proper, what? Contents. What will enable you to grow? A rich portion of Christ. 
Amen. Well, hopefully you get served a lot of dishes of Christ this weekend. Not just by the speaking brothers, but by one another. Sharing your portions of Christ, that this Christ as the all-inclusive one would be more real in our experience. Amen. So the first question I have is, what vision do you have? What is your vision? What's your vision? You have some. Well, may it be a vision of Christ and the church. Amen. Okay, so let's look at the first Roman numeral. Let's read that all together. Ready? Go. We have a need. If you're a person of need, you are a desperate person. Okay, I can't see hardly anything without my glasses. I have a need. And you know what? Man, do I treasure and appreciate my glasses. Why? Without them, I'm useless. You guys are just trees. Colorful trees, by the way. But listen, when you have a need, your being is exercised to realize, i got to have it. Man has a need to eat physically. I'm not casual about my eating. You're like, oh, I kind of, you know, this brother came, we were eating, and I said, brother, are you going to have some food? He goes, no. I said, well, did you eat before you came? No. I said, well, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm trying to cut back. I said, oh, I understand that. But are you going to eat? Well, no, I'm just not eating. I said, well, how long are you not going to eat? Well, I don't know, but I'm just trying it. <laughs> okay, man is created innately to sustain himself with food. He has a need. You know what? Not one man is casual about his eating. Why? Because it's, listen, you need it. Do you need air? I need air. Don't cut my air off. Do you need water? Do you need liquids? You need it. Okay, we need to be as desperate about the need for a vision. We're too casual. Eh, vision, yeah, take it, leave it. We don't don't realize it's crucial. It's vital. It's necessary. It is. May the Lord first unveil us to realize we have a crucial need. And what do we need? what what, What are we short of? We need a crucial need of what? A heavenly vision. A crucial need of a heavenly vision. Okay, you will notice that throughout all the outlines, uh, a large percentage of all the verse references are from the Apostle Paul. Why? Because mainly in the New Testament, Paul got this heavenly vision. And you know what? His whole life, he eventually floated out, spoke it to everybody, wrote 14 epistles, right? So he's he's a good example of a person that got the heavenly vision, right? So let's look at these first few verses. Let's, sisters, how about 13? And brothers, verse 19, Acts 26. Ready, go. At? Okay, firstly, I would hope by the end of the time, you could say like Paul, I saw. Amen. 
Lord, before I leave this weekend, I want to be a brother that says, I saw. Not, not, not Daniel saw. I saw. You know why? Because Paul was there on the road heading to Damascus persecuting, thinking he was serving God, but yet devastating the church. And listen, there were others with him. And they were all going together. And the Lord came, and you know what? Unveiled Himself to the Apostle. Light shone. A voice came. And you know what? Others said, well, what's that? What's that? Others were with Him. But you know what? Others didn't see. You can be in this room all weekend long, and others are going, oh, Christ, you're so precious. You're lovely. Oh, you're delicious. And you're looking at him like, are you okay? (laughs) He's a man that's seeing something. But you could be here, the Lord's speaking, the Lord's unveiling His Word, and you could leave and go, yeah, there was some light, and there was a voice, and I didn't understand it. And you know what? Not get a seeing. You can be in the atmosphere of seeing. The light came on them too. Lord, have mercy on us. Do you think that the Lord didn't want to reveal Himself to the others there? I I don't think so. I think He wanted all of them to see Him. But you know what? I don't know why they didn't see. Maybe they weren't open. Maybe they were preoccupied. They weren't willing to give up what they thought they were supposed to be doing. I don't know. Lord, cause us to be desperate to see. I want to see. I want to be just like Paul. I saw. When you walk out, You need to be a person. I saw. Justin, I saw. Not just Elijah saw. I saw. Emphatic, right? It was real. What did he see? He eventually says, I saw a heavenly vision. I saw a heavenly vision. The light came from heaven. A lot happened in a short period of time. Here was this man thinking he's serving God, persecuting God's people, and... No feeling or consideration of who this Jesus is. This Nazarene. Who is this guy? And they think he was resurrected. I think they're just imagining it. And all of a sudden, the Lord appeared to him. Okay, you should pray. Lord, appear to me. Lord, this weekend, every meeting, every little time, appear to me. I want your appearing. Okay, let's look at these next verses in Ephesians 1. Ready? How about brothers, verse 17, then sisters, 18a. Brothers, go. That the God... So it's good if you don't have a pen, make sure you get a pen for your next meeting, or if you can borrow a neighbor... You need to underline four things here in these two verses. Number one, spirit of wisdom. Number one, spirit of wisdom. Then over number Revelation, you need to write number two. Underline it. Number two. Then in verse 18, the eyes of your heart. Number three, the eyes of your heart. Then number four, enlightened. Okay, you want to see a vision? There's a requirement upon your being to be able to see 
And let's talk about what it is. According to Paul in Ephesians, he tells us, you know, this was his prayer for the believers in the church in Ephesus. He prayed. This is his prayer. And it contained these four particular items. Okay, the essence of it was he was praying that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. That's what he was praying for. But prior to that, he touches this matter. If you want your eyes enlightened, the eyes of your heart... Okay, what is your heart? Your heart is your conscience, one part of your spirit, with your soul, your mind, emotion, and will. And there is a seeing in that part of your being concerning the things of God. Okay? If you're darkened in that part, you don't have any seeing. Why did the other ones that were with Paul not see? Probably darkened in their being. Okay? So firstly, it says you need to have a what? A spirit. What kind of spirit? Filled up? Occupied? Loaded? No, it needs to be opened. May we all have an open spirit. Amen. Do you have an open spirit? If you don't, ask for it. Lord, open my spirit. I want my spirit to be ready to receive you. Well, that's the first that he prayed, right? They would have what? A spirit of wisdom. A spirit of wisdom. What is a spirit of wisdom? It's to enable your mind to begin to understand the things that are spiritual. We're talking about a spiritual revelation, a spiritual vision. So you need the spirit. It's the spirit of wisdom. Amen. Lord, give us a spirit of wisdom. When the brothers speak, when we're in our group time, I don't want to just be there in my fallen thought of what I think this is talking about. I want a spirit of wisdom. Related to your open spirit, you have this matter of the part, right? Eventually it says the eyes of your heart. So not only do you need an open spirit, but listen, along with your open spirit, you need to have a proper heart. Well, how do you have a proper heart? Firstly, you need to deal with the main part of your heart, which is your conscience. So you need to deal with all the sins or anything that's hindering your fellowship with God. How do you do that? By the precious redeeming blood. And we'll have a whole message on that. And oh, am I looking forward to that. But tonight, as we begin, you still need to apply the blood. Exercise your spirit and stand on the blood and say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. I don't want my conscience full of offenses. I want my conscience pure and ready to receive you and see you, right? So you have to have your conscience exercised And it needs to be pure. How do you do that? You need to deal with your sins by confessing them and taking the redeeming blood that He can wash you of all your sins. Well, that's just part. That's a good part. That's a good start. What about your mind? What about your emotion? What about your will? This is all part of your heart. If your mind is in Japan right now thinking you wish you could have that top sushi dish, you're not going to be receiving the heavenly sight. Like, oh, I just wish I would go to Indonesia and eat satay. It's delicious. I grew up on it. Oh, with the peanut butter sauce. You can be anywhere. Your mind could be in the chemistry test that you failed. Or that you got an A and you're like, whoa, 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 look at me. You're occupied with your great grade. You're not open to Christ. What does your mind need? It needs to be sober. You want to see Christ? Have a sober mind. 
It comes out of a confessed conscience. It will cause your mind to be... As soon as you begin to confess, you know what you do? Your mind right away gets sober. You say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for doing that and saying that. And oh, right away, you know what your mind does? It gets sober real quick. It says, man, you are not that big. You are a lowly one. Don't be so proud. Humble yourself. Exercise first to use your spirit, right? Cleanse your conscience. Okay, you need to be sober. Sober in your mind. How about your emotion? You're loving everything but the Lord. You need to have a loving emotion toward the Lord. Lord Jesus, I love you. Think, well, I don't really feel kind of like that right now. Lord Jesus, I love you. Exercise your emotion to love the Lord. How about your will? Not submissive. We need a submissive will. Okay, if you take care of your conscience and your mind and your emotion and your will in this way, you know what? Bingo. Your spirit's open and your heart is ready to have the heavenly seeing. If not, you walk away like, how, did, how come he saw so much? Man, I was in the same meeting. <laughs> Oh, he's flowing out these verses and flowing out the sharing. And man, and I like, like, what? He shared that? Where were you? You were in the same meeting. But your mind was somewhere else. Your emotion, loving other things. Your will, not submissive to what the Lord wants to impart. So what? You know what? You're seeing is, yeah, you see. Yeah, you, you see a little. Why? Because there's so many things in your heart that are occupying you. We need to firstly open our being to the Lord, right? Lord Jesus, we like to have our conscience clean, our mind sober, right? Our will submissive and our love toward the Lord, oh, so fresh. Just pray it. Even right now, as the message is going on, Lord, I want to be in the right position that the eyes of my heart could be enlightened. Okay, so you could have all that, but it's like if we were in this room and all the lights were out, you're like, I'm ready. You can't see anything. You still need the Lord shining. Now you've got eyes that can see, but you have no shining. You have no light. We still need to pray. That's why we've been praying a lot all this last couple of weeks. Lord, shine your light. We need your shining. You prepare everything on your side, but we still need the Lord shining. And you know what? By the Lord's uh, faithfulness, He will shine. He wants to shine. He wants to unveil Himself in a rich vision to each one of us. Lord, we want to receive it. We want to enjoy it, right? If you have this position in your spirit and with your soul and your heart, you know what? The eyes of your heart will be able to see. If not... You're wondering why I can't see. What's going on with me? I want to see. I'm holding on to something. I'm not open to that. I'm fighting the Lord with this. Right? You, I, it's amazing. You get out of the meeting and one person's, oh, I saw. The other person's like, what did you see? I didn't see. I was in the same room. I thought, no, I didn't see any of that. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us that we would see. Okay, 
Let's read Roman numeral 2. Ready? Go. The astounding aim... Okay, astounding aim of God's purpose. Okay, this weekend we're going to talk about the vision of Christ and the vision of the church, and this is God's purpose. God's purpose is Christ and what's on heart, Christ's heart, the church. Okay, what an aim. Don't you want to be aimed in the right direction in your human life? Which way are you aimed? Hopefully, you pick up and realize this is what's on God's heart, and that we would all be lined up. Okay, I want my aim and my vision to be lined up with what is revealed in the Word, right? Concerning this matter of God's purpose. God's purpose is awesome. Amen. Amen. How do we know it? The Bible tells us. If the Bible didn't tell us, who would have thought of that? God has a purpose. Don't you want to know what God's purpose is? Yes! I'm a man. I want to know why I'm here. What's going on? What is God doing? God has a purpose. Oh, may we participate in this seeing of what God's purpose is. What is God's purpose? It tells you right there. God's purpose is to what? Let's read it. To dispense. This is God's purpose. Hallelujah. Who mainly wrote about God's purpose? Paul. Paul saw it. I saw it. His whole life was consumed with, it was unveiled to him. Wow! Everything he wrote, Christ, the church. Christ, the church. Christ, the church. How do you get the church? Get this Christ into believers, into men. May they enjoy this rich Christ. What does it produce? The church. Awesome! Do you want to know God's purpose? Not just in your mind. What about in your experience? Is God's purpose real to you? It needs to be real in our experience. Oh Lord, reveal and unveil your purpose to us. So we should pray, Lord, dispense yourself into me this weekend. I want to be a man in your purpose. Amen? So firstly, we uh, come to these points A, B, C, and D. There's... There's messages upon messages upon messages on every one of these Roman numerals. It's ridiculous. There's no time. Too many riches in the Bible. Unsearchable riches. We're just going to skim a little bit and unveil a little bit concerning God's purpose. Okay, what is God's purpose? Well, prior to the purposing in God, let's read A together. What happened? God's heart's desire, a vast multitude of sons, express the triune... Let's read Ephesians. Uh, I'll read for the first, I'll just read to you. So in Ephesians chapter 1, a book written by Paul, Ephesians, he unveils this matter of God's heart. And what is God's heart? It's a vast multitude of sons to express this very triune God. Okay, in Ephesians it says, listen, in verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Prior to even the existence of the world, this God chose us. Amen. If you didn't know, let me tell you, God chose you. Have you ever been in a game and you're like, man, I hope they, hope they pick me. I want to be on that team. Oh, miss me. Pick me. 
Even I can't do any of what we're supposed to do. Just pick me. Everybody likes to be picked. Guess what? In eternity past, God said, I want you. Rex, you're mine. You didn't even know him. He knew you. He goes, oh, I'm going to get that Rex. Oh, I like Rex. I'm picking Rex. One day we came into the realization, God chose me. That's awesome. We opened to the Lord. His life came in and we realized, Woo! I'm chosen. I'm a chosen man. I'm on the team. Don't ask me to do anything. I don't know what we're doing, but I'm chosen. I'm just happy to be on the team. God chose you. We should be happy men. We're chosen. That's all prior to eternity. Whoa. What a heart's desire. He chose you. Then listen. Five. Predestinating you unto sonship through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. He predestinated you to be a son of God. Woohoo! I'm a happy man. Not only am I chosen, I'm going to get God's life. I'm going to become His son. I can express Him. Why are we so down? We don't have this vision. We've been chosen and predestinated to be God's sons. To express Him. That's even before time began. Whoa! You think this is in God's heart? Oh my goodness. It's in God's heart. He had a lot of forethought. A lot of consideration. I want a lot of sons. I want my expression to be full. Then verse 9, making known to us the mystery of His will according to, listen, His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself. This is God's heart's desire. What does God want? God wants many sons to express Him, right? Well, He didn't just have a desire. You know, oh, i got this wonderful desire. I'll just stop there. That'd be like your mom telling you, do you want a cake? Yeah! Sorry, with no ingredients. <laughs> you can imagine the cake. What? No, I want the cake. Well, there has to be a way, a procedure, a process to get the cake brought forth. God didn't just have this awesome desire and stop. It's like, I'm going to purpose and I'm going to eventually make an arrangement to work this out. I'm going to get not just Rex chosen in eternity and make him a son, but in time and in a way. There will be a process. I'm going to make all the right arrangements so that God, my being, can get into the ones I've chosen. Awesome. What a purpose, right? So B, God's purpose, God's plan is to what? He wants to fulfill His heart's desire. He has this heart's desire, so He carries out His purpose to fulfill it. Amen. According to the Ephesians 3, 11, according to the eternal purpose which He made in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, what if He just stopped there? Good enough. He had a desire. 
He had a purpose, but then he didn't make any arrangements to carry it out. He got the ingredients of the cake. No way to make the cake. Listen, our God is a God that is a full of reality. And when he purposes and wants to carry something out, he is absolute in what he does. He is thorough. He, he plans. He prepares. He does everything to bring forth and carry out his eternal purpose. So then eventually we have what? His way or his arrangement. Let's read C together. Ready? God's economy, God's arrangement to fulfill his purpose. Sisters, Ephesians 1.10 and then brothers 3.9. Go. Okay, so he had a heart's desire, amen? He has a purpose, and he also has what we, Paul calls an economy, an arrangement. There's an arrangement for God to gain his purpose. Okay, this arrangement, if you see it, it will change your life. You will be a man of vision. Actually, all the questions you have that you're wondering about, things of God, things of man, things of your life, if you see the economy of God, everything will make sense. Because you'll realize, wow, I see what God wants and what God is doing. And that I, as a man, am chosen by God to contain God's life. Wow. So we need to have a fresh seeing. Many of you have seen this before. You've seen diagrams before. You need to have a, okay, I'm going to etch a sketch you. You're done. Empty. Ready? Ready for a new sketch? A sketch you have never seen in your life. I'm going to give you God's arrangement to carry out His purpose and fulfill His heart's desire. Okay. So in eternity, He had this desire. Right? So we'll say... In eternity past, what? What did you have? You had God full of desire. Oh, I hope you taste a little bit of God's desire. He is a God of desire. And in time, this God of desire carried out an arrangement. How He, as the very God, would fulfill what is on His heart. What does God want? God wants expression. What does God want? God wants many sons. Do you want what God wants? Ask Him, Lord, make your desire my desire. I want to know what your desire is. I want to know what your purpose is. And I want to be in the middle of it. Okay, He has an arrangement. This arrangement... He didn't just stay in eternity hoping that his desire would be fulfilled. He realized. What did he do? Firstly, it says what? He chose us. Then he predestinated us. But then in time, you know what he did? 
He created us. Amen. I need man so that man could express me. So what? i got to create man. Man doesn't exist. i got to bring him into being. Oh, and the way I'm going to bring man into being is very particular. In a very particular way. Why? I want to be expressed through that man. So you know what he did in the beginning? He created man. Oh, look at me. In the Bible it says, we are wonderfully and awesomely made. Why? Because we look just like God. We're made in His image. How can you express something if you don't look like Him? Impossible. Criteria. Make man so that when my life comes into that man, my life can come out of that man. So, image, likeness, it all has to be just right. Amen. Can I get that bag, Paul? Okay. Poor illustration, but it's pretty awesome. Man. This is man. Look at that pitiful man. Look at man. Come on, man. Stand up, man. Man. What is this? When you see this, what do you think of? What? It is dirty. It's been used. You think you should be thinking of a hand. Not, you're not thinking of all oh, hammer or utensil to. No, it's a glove. It's made in a particular way. It has, it's supposed to fulfill a particular function. Okay, I gotta get another one. It's a smaller one. Man. Man. No life in man. Most, almost, I don't know, millions of men on the earth walking around. God created them to get into them, but they haven't been fulfilling their purpose. No life. You're like, what's going on? You know, they're, they're all walking around like this. The hand is intended to get into the glove. Ho, 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 ho. Full of expression. <laughs> Full of... It's, it's expressing... Listen, it doesn't express the glove. It expresses the life of the hand. But if God never gets into man... Man, man just... Okay, Satan also knew what God's purpose was. Was to get into man. You know what Satan did? I'm going to beat God to the punch. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put everything and anything I can get into the hand to make the hand useless to God and to God's purpose. I'm going to go, I'm getting in first. I don't want that man to be expressing God. I'm going I'm to do whatever I can I'm going to get into that glove. I'm going to feel that glove. God can't get into that glove. I'm going to damage the glove. I'm going to ruin the glove. I'm going to make the glove not useful for what it's intended for. Damaging man. Frustrating God from fulfilling His plan. So you know what? 
Satan usurped man. What did what had to happen? Man took in another source. Man took in something into his being. Wasn't the life of God. You think there'll be some expression? Yeah, but it's not what it was intended for. You're like, oh, it kind of now looks more like a hand. But neither can God get in because the hand's damaged and full of something other than what's intended to be in there. It looks more like a hand. You think, oh, yeah. And even people think, I feel pretty good. Look, I kinda, I'm kind of functioning. But God's purpose isn't fulfilled, right? The enemy came in to frustrate and damage man from fulfilling God's purpose. Okay. Did God say, oh, my plan's over? No. Remember, God is thorough and absolute in what he wants to carry out. So we're made in the image of God to contain God, to express God. Well, we fell. We took in another source. So what happened? In time, he realized the way to carry out what, God, what I intend is I have to come as a man. Amen. Amen. What needs to happen is... I need to come as a man. So in time, this Lord came, right? In incarnation, He came. God became a man. Wow. Sinless man. Whoa. Perfect man. Pure man. Proper man. What a man. This man was to carry out God's purpose, right? So the Lord Jesus Christ became a man in incarnation. And then listen, as a man, he lived a perfect human life on the earth. How many years? 33 and a half years. Human life. You touched him, perfect man. Yet he was filled with God. But there's very few instances in reading through the Gospels, do you ever get a sense when you touch the Lord that, Shazam! I touched God. No, it was kindness. Lowliness, meekness, love, sympathy, long-suffering. Very human. It was mysteriously human, yet divine. What a Jesus. The tax collectors, the sinners, the adulterers, they sat with Him and they loved it. Whoa! What kind of man? This was our God-man Jesus, right? So he lived a human life, and eventually he had to deal with the problem that man had, right? Man was what? Full of sin? Constituted? Even one with Satan. Now God can't come into this man that's been corrupted. He needs to deal with the problem. So you know what? This sinless God-man died for us. Amen! Amen. Let's all say, Lord, thank you for dying for me. So he went to the cross and he dealt with every negative problem in the universe. Your sin, Satan. Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm so happy to know and experience this wonderful one dying for me. Isn't it awesome? He died for us to deal with all the problems so that we could fulfill God's purpose. That he could come into us, right? He eventually, what, was buried? 
Did he remain there? He visited for three days. Had a little visitation. But what? In resurrection, right? What happened? He became the life-giving spirit. Amen. He came out of death. This Lord rose again. We believe He arose. And in resurrection, He became the Spirit. Eventually it says in Acts, He was what? Enthroned, right? He was made what? Both Lord and Christ to carry out what God wanted Him to carry out. But He didn't just remain in the heavens. He eventually, as the Spirit came into, who? Who is the target of God's heart's desire? Man! I'm the target! Whoa! God's desire through His purpose and His economy and carrying out this wonderful plan of Christ coming and dealing with every negative problem and becoming the life-giving Spirit was so that He could what? Enter into man. Okay, that's just the beginning. What a beginning! This is God's plan. This is God's desire. This is God's heart's intent. He wants to get into you. Has He gotten in? Have you opened to Him? Lord Jesus, come into me. Amen. He didn't say, no, I don't want to. He goes, filled you right up. In Austin, my son was five years old. We were driving home from the property and we got down Old Torf and we came up the other side and there was a funeral procession. And he was in the back seat. And he said, Daddy, why do we have to wait for all those cars? We said, well, someone died. What is death? Well, it's when someone stops breathing. I don't want that. What do I do to not... To not I, I don't want that. I don't want that. Well, every man is destined to death. But there's a person that came that can give us life. Eternal life. I want that. Matthew, you can have him. He wants to come into you. What do I do, Dad? Open your heart to him. And say, Lord Jesus, come into me. And you know what he'll do? He'll be happy to come into you. I want that. How do I do that? You pray. Are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Come into me. Come into me. Matthew, Jesus just got in. He goes, I know it. Okay, we drove to the hotel. We got out of the car. And here was Matthew, five years old. He was like... Hi, Dad! He was bouncing. He was happy. He was joyful. It was like something happened. We didn't say, now you should be joyful, son. (laughs) The Lord's life 
when it comes in, it is real. That's a beginning. That's a good start, right? That's the beginning of the process for the Lord to be expressed. How about this economy of what God wants to carry out? Did God remain as one who, oh, well, man fell. I guess I'm not going to be able to. No, God knew exactly. He carried out an economy and an arrangement to get into us. Why? This is his purpose. This is his heart's desire. And who carried it out? And we'll see it over this whole weekend. The focus and center of this process and this arrangement and this economy for God to begin into man, the focus is Christ. All of who Christ is, is enabling us to participate in God's plan and God's purpose. Okay, so I just wanted to touch this matter. Okay, I'll go through quickly on these other items here. Let's see where we are. Okay, how about this Christ? Do you appreciate this Christ? Do you appreciate what He's done for you? Dealing with all your sins? Dealing with all the problems that hinder you from receiving God? How about the first time you opened to Him and He got in? Amen. Wonderful. That's just the beginning. Okay, how about tonight? Are you opening to Him tonight? He's ready. You know what? It's the flow of God into man. Even tonight, He's ready as the very God full of desire. He wants to get more into your being. Do you think He wants to remain imprisoned in your spirit? No. What is the expressing portion of your being? It's your soul. He wants to get into, listen, in Ephesians 3 it says, He wants to make His home in your heart. Why are you here? So that He can make His home in your heart. That He could become more real and be fully expressed out of you. Okay, so listen. The next portion, it says the Apostle Paul, he also was cooperating with this God to have a stewardship. The word stewardship is also economy. On God's side, it's economy. On man's side, it's a stewardship. All weekend long, I hope you open up wide to all the speaking. While the brothers serve you a dish of Christ, you would go, whoa, more Christ. Amen. Give me some of that. Amen. Stewardship. It's the same thing, right? What was he steward? What was he ministering? To, to announce what? The unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel. What a ministry. Unsearchable riches. Okay, then concerning what is the product and the produce of what God gains. He wants sons, but as we saw, He eventually wants also a counterpart. He doesn't just want individual believers. If He just wanted one man, Christ fulfilled that. But He wants a corporate expression. The corporate body of Christ. The believers built up together for, listen, what's on His heart? The church! Yes, He's aimed at you, but He's aimed at you so that you could be built up with the other believers. That He could have a counterpart. That's my phone. Just open it up and slide it. It means my time is gone. I just started. Hallelujah. Okay, we got to come to the all-inclusiveness of Christ. Okay, all-inclusiveness of Christ. Okay, ready? Let's go. Roman numeral three. The all-inclusiveness of Christ. The incredible extensiveness of Christ. What kind of Christ do you have? Well, this Christ is all-inclusive. This Christ is all-inclusive. Okay, let's read. Sisters A, brothers B. 
Brothers be. C, sisters. Brothers D. And then sisters E. Okay, he is all inclusive and he's incredibly extensive. How extensive? In the Godhead, he's all. There's a lot of false thoughts and teachings and doctrines concerning the Trinity. We need to believe the Bible. Amen. What is a believer? He believes the Bible. What does the Bible say? Colossians 2.9 For in Him dwells part of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's not the Bible. For in Him, this wonderful, all-inclusive Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All! Does all mean all? All! Is He extensive? Yes! In the Godhead, He is all. What does that mean? Well, John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is this One? God! Oh, God is in Him. Okay? John 10.30 I and the Father are one. Who is He? He's the Father. 2 Corinthians 3.17 And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord is the Spirit. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him bodily. Is that extensive? Oh my goodness. Very extensive. Right? That's why it says, He is all. Is He part? He's all. That's in the Godhead. How about in His economy? What we just talked about. What is He? He's the center and He's the circumference. He's the hub and He's the wheel. And He's all the spokes in between. Colossians 1.17 Sisters, and He is... Brothers, Colossians 3.11 The new man where... Christ is all and in all. In the divine economy and carrying out what God desires, He is all. Extensive, right? How about in the old creation and the new creation? It says He's the firstborn of creation in Colossians 1.15. Then in Colossians 3, uh, verse 18, it says what? He's the firstborn from the dead. Hallelujah. He was the first in resurrection. He's the first in the new creation. In the old creation, He's all. In the new creation, He's all. Anybody outside? Nope. Christ is all in the old creation, and Christ is all in the new creation. What an all-inclusive, extensive Christ. This is our Christ. Is He your Christ? He is. How about in reality? May He be this Christ to you in reality, right? Okay, in, in, in incarnation, He was a perfect man. 
2.8, and being found in fashion as a man. Oh, he is a genuine and perfect man. What a Christ. Well, there's too many items of this wonderful Christ. And there's just eight listed here. I encourage you to cover and spend some time in two particular hymns. Hymn number 190, concerning the experience of Christ and His all-inclusiveness. And it's very particular in that hymn. Uh, You could call it the Gospel Sandwich Hymn. Because it has two pieces of bread on either side, and then it has the four Gospels in the middle hymns, sections. Talks about Christ being these four particular kind of things. In the Gospels, Christ is revealed as what? In Matthew as the King. In Mark as what? A slave. In Luke as a man. And in John as God. If you look at that hymn, those are the four middle stanzas. They're not in the sequence of the Gospels, but they're there. Awesome. And on the end is your participation and enjoyment in that all-inclusive one. Woo! Did we enjoy it on the way down? Check with these three brothers right here. You want to? You want to? They'll give you all the details. Man, that's all we did. Digested that hymn. Okay, second hymn, hymn five ten. There are over seventy items of who Christ is in hymn five ten. See if you can count them. We got up to seventy four. Is Christ all inclusive? Oh my goodness, He is so all inclusive. So these portions, it says He's the portion of the saints. Is He your portion? I hope He becomes your rich portion this weekend. We're going to feed you a lot of delicious dishes of Christ. I hope you eat Christ a lot. But you can have food around and people go, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. Kimchi, not for me. (laughs) If you've ever been to Korea, kimchi is not one thing. Incredible, the amount of varieties of kimchi. Like, oh, kimchi, I know what that is. You don't know anything about kimchi. (laughs) They have kimchi for breakfast. It's not the same kimchi at lunch. You know, they do have flavor and taste. They got spicy kimchi. They got sweet kimchi. Kimchi, kimchi, kimchi. Like, oh, it's just kimchi. No, you don't know anything about it. Your concept is hindering. Your participation in something that's beyond your taste. Why? Because you have an idea. Oh, that Christ, yeah. He's my Savior. Yes, He is. Is that all He is to you? You're like, oh, I know Christ. He's my Savior. Yes, He is your Savior. But how about your portion? How about tonight? Are you enjoying Him as your fresh portion? I hope all weekend long, your appetite will go up for this Christ. Right? He's your life. Amen. Is that a doctrine to you? Or is it your reality? I heard a story recently of a brother who had a stroke and he's had to struggle a lot in his life now just physically to operate. And I watched him walk. You talk to him, his faculties are there, but every step is, a, is an exercise. You know what he said? He said, Christ is becoming my everything. Not in doctrine, but in reality. If you talk to that brother and you say, is Christ your life? He'll tell you, 
Oh my goodness, is He my life. I can't live physically, spiritually, emotionally. I need Christ as my life. And He's not just my life in theory. He's my life in reality. Don't we want that? This is what He wants. You know what happens? You touch that person, you realize, whoa, Christ. You touch Him, oh, Christ. Like, what happened? I thought it was that person. No, it's like you touch the glove and you get the hand. Like, oh, hand. Hand. Like, oh, I thought it was the glove. No, it's hand. You touch this brother, you get Christ as life. Not in doctrine, right? In reality. Okay, so brothers and sisters, may we all be those that exercise to unload what we think we know of Christ and begin to see the all-inclusiveness of Christ. Amen? Oh, may we enjoy this Christ and may we participate Him in more of who He is in reality. This is our Christ. Amen. Who is your Christ? He's the all-inclusive one, right? Too many items of this wonderful, rich Christ. Lord, make this our reality. Make this our participation. Amen.